Excuse me. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Morgandorks. This is a bi-weekly Daria podcast where we take an in-depth look at our favorite animated teenage misanthrope episode by episode. I'm Rob Press. And I'm Nissa Lee. And today we are looking at Season 2, Episode 2, The Daria Hunter, in which Lawndale High decides to teach its students about guerrilla warfare by sending them on a paintball field trip. Because that's the wise thing to do. <laughs> This episode aired on February 23rd, 1998, and was written by Peggy Nichol, whose only previous episode was the ambitious but extraordinarily flawed and problematic The Lab Brat. And if you are picking up on maybe some slight differences in recording quality or just the feel of the episode, I guess, uh, it's because we are actually, for the first time, recording this episode remotely. Nessa Lee is like hours away right now. Yep, I've moved. She has relocated. She can't stand the sight of me. Um, <laughs> so we're, this is again the first time we've recorded this thing remotely. It's the first time we've recorded anything remotely. Uh, so there might be some hitches here or there. The interplay might be a little bit different. Um, so far, it seems to be working out pretty well. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> This whole thing could come apart so quickly. (laughs) So So. we want to get into our beat by beat? Yes, we should. Okay. That was not the right answer to do you want to, though, was it? (laughs) Eh. (laughs) Okay. Mr. DiMartino announces that Daria's class will take a field trip to Jim's paintballing jungle to study how warfare impacts all aspects of culture. And I really can't do a DiMartino impression here, so I feel like we should have a clip of him saying this because it's priceless. We're going to study how warfare impacts all aspects of culture. There, there's not really too much to say about like what happens in this first scene, except that DiMartino asks for for parent volunteers. But at the end of this scene, he tells Kevin to stay close to him at the paintball range, and then he lets out this maniacal laughter. <laughs> and, and I think immediately, uh-oh, this is going to be great. But it really doesn't pay off. No. At no. all. Nothing happens to Kevin you know, well, Kevin does get of, shot. Yeah, because of DiMartino, though. Right. Yeah, I, I think there was maybe. Hmm. This is something we can we can kind of talk about uh, a little bit as we go through this. But I feel like it's weird. It's weird to me that Mr. DiMartino is so stoked about the possibility of going into this like guerrilla warfare environment when it very clearly screwed him up. Yeah. Last time he did it. Yeah. What? Why relive that? I mean, maybe he's one of those people that come alive in warfare. Uh, I don't know. If that's the case, though, we totally didn't get that in this episode. No. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, he he seems, as you said, it, it it's messed him up. So it's it's kind of strange. Yeah, and and we've talked about that in the past. How Mr. DiMartino clearly had some like transformative and deeply affecting experiences in Vietnam. So it's really kind of morbid that he's you know aiming to throw students through that. Yeah. I think that and the fact that the writer has chosen to put a vet through a simulated warfare situation is also a little yeah. mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's this, it's, and we're going to be getting into this uh, plenty, um, but it's this weird disconnect between this episode and the stuff that this episode is supposed to be referencing and pulling from. And, it, it it it's a very weird thing and we're going to be saying the words weird and bizarre and uh and stuff like that probably pretty frequently because this is just this is a wonky episode yeah it is it's weird mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go i, I said it <laughs> we'll keep a counter okay so um, DiMartino has a really good line in this scene as well as in this opening scene. Um, he says when he asks for parent volunteers, if any parents can pull themselves away from their six-figure jobs as sycophants. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> has he met Jake before? <laughs> he has to have met Jake, right? Parent-teacher night, something like that. Well, he probably hasn't met Helen in, pal- uh, in parent-teacher night. Oh man, DiMartino and Helen. That's the mm. pairing I want to see. Back at home, Queen and Daria are trading their usual insults, but they agree on a ceasefire. They form an alliance to ensure that their parents don't volunteer for the paintball excursion. But Quinn, oh boy, <laughs> her hairstyle. To prevent helmet hair gives away the secret immediately. Oh, man. It's it's literally nothing but braids. It's yeah. Her entire head is just braids. And Quinn has big hair to yes. begin with, but it seems like it's just as big with the braids <laughs> when it should shrink a little bit, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, l- <laughs> luckily... Um, Quinn and Daria convince Helen pretty easily that they don't need parent volunteers at this thing. Um, Helen seems pretty okay with that. Yeah, Helen um, mentions that she just really doesn't want to deal with Mr. O'Neill all that much. (laughs) Because he's creepy. (laughs) She's totally right. He's a little creepy. I, I mean, like, because we've met him enough, we know he's not actually a creep, but yeah, he's a little creepy. It's the voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He sounds like he's trying to tell you to get into the back of his ice cream truck. It's not okay. Yeah, that's perfect. That's the perfect way to describe it. Helen is, you know, yet again, she's right back on that you need to consider college thing. Um, again, this is the second season of Daria, but... We don't know if a year has actually passed. We can assume a year hasn't actually passed. We aren't sure where Daria is in her schooling. 
in the first season that, hey, you need to be ready for college, you need to do such and such for college seemed to be kind of the the motivating factor behind a number of plots. And they kind of backed off of that a little bit as the season went on. The passage of time is actually a interesting point um, to bring up because I didn't even think about that, like how much time has passed between seasons, maybe none at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It, it time, time doesn't really move forward at all in Daria until it suddenly needs to. Right. Exactly, and I, I that mostly has to do with you know you. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that you don't know how long this show is going to be running for. So yeah. she could be a sophomore for like five years, and <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> So, Hush by Kula Shaker plays as we cut to the school bus where everyone, including Mr. O'Neill, is decked out in army fatigues. <laughs> I, I just love this. Like, I love this choice here. <laughs> everyone <laughs> bought army fatigues for this trip? Yeah, I, yeah, that's a really good question. I can't imagine they were supplied by the school. I can't imagine the school has army fatigues just sitting around. Well, you never know with Miss Lee. Oh my God, that's true. <laughs> she... <laughs> yeah. I didn't want that to be as good a point as it was. Well, she's reading the Surveillance World magazine <laughs> on the bus. <laughs> so I I don't know. You... It's just, it really fits with her character, right? Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Mr. DiMartino starts lecturing on the bus, um, on the history of guerrilla warfare. And in that next bus, Miss Lee is reading that magazine, Surveillance World. And Miss Barch is reading a book called Backlash, The Undeclared War Against American Women. By Susan Faludi. This was published in 1991. The the subtitle and the author aren't actually on the book. I looked this up because I was so <laughs> curious. I think it's fascinating <laughs> that it's an actual book. Yes. Um, not a book that I have read. Uh, I don't really right. know anything about the book. But I think the subtitle is quite appropriate for Miss Barch and for this show, um, this episode yes. in particular. And even though it was written 28 years ago, still very appropriate for the time. You betcha. On the same bus as Ms. Lee and Miss Barch, the fashion club gals are swearing on a fashion magazine that they won't shoot paintballs at each other. Jane suggests that she and Daria ditch paintballing altogether and go see the great white shark. Daria, weirdly enough, doesn't bite. Hey. Ha. I see what you did there. Yeah, it was definitely on purpose. <laughs> Daria not being interested in seeing the great white shark is kind of weird. Like you pointed that out. It's odd for her to not be interested in that. Yeah. Especially given the alternative. I think that this kind of touches on the show's history of putting Daria in terrible situations when she leaves school grounds. 
right? Like, it's, as much as she hates Lawndale High, it's a safe place for her. Right. As bad as paintballing is going to be for her, it, the great white shark could be much, much worse. So she's staying put. <laughs> At least no puke is involved here. Well, not yet. <laughs> Again, weird episode. Just a weird episode. Um, I think it's great that there's just a billboard saying, hey, come see the great white shark in the middle of what appears to be like piney country. Um, yeah, it's really random. Yeah. Which, I mean, hey, you know, maybe that's part of the fascination for Jane. Maybe she doesn't necessarily expect to see a great white shark, but whatever that billboard is advertising has to be more interesting than the situation they're in right now. Right. You know, although you say that this is, it looks like it's in the middle of piney country, if you're talking about like Pinelands piney, <laughs> then, you know, the shore is nearby. That's true, nearby. it's not that far away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Why don't we have any billboards for great white sharks? Maybe we have at some point. I we don't know. We just had billboards for gun shops and a frisbee golf club. Yes. You know, while I was watching this episode, I couldn't help but remember just how popular paintballing. I say paintballing. I just think that's just a weird word. I can't help but but remember how paintball was really popular at this time. Um, it still is, isn't it? We should have looked up when it started to get really popular. I remember looking it up a little bit. There's like a rich and varied history to to paintball, like all around the world. And there's varying levels of legality. Like it's a much more complicated subject than I thought it actually was. Wow. That's fascinating. It almost became the cultural context. I was about to ask, why wasn't that the cultural context? But clearly there's a lot more Because going I found on something here. easier to talk about and it was the Vietnam War. <laughs> Would Did you ever go to a paintball range? Oh, Jesus Christ. No, I'd have died. <laughs> our, our property was a paintball range. Like <laughs> Everyone played... Uh, you know, at our house, at our friends' houses, you know, it was just the thing that my younger brother did <laughs> and our neighbors. Have you ever been? Um, I have not. No, I would have, I would have suffered. <laughs> I understand those paintball thingies hurt. Yes. So. <laughs> those paintball thingies hurt. It is the thing to say during this episode, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And and I'm a total sucker for that. And and I mean, well, it gets said like four or five or maybe even six times during this episode. And I'm a total sucker for the recurring the recurring line. It just gets funnier. Yeah. It just gets funnier every time. It's so good. <laughs> so at one point on the bus, um, one of the J's, I want to say it's Jamie, is uh, trying to hit on Quinn. And he says that he they're all saying that they'll be Quinn's bodyguard during this experience. And one of them says, oh, I would take a bullet for you. And Mrs. Barch is listening in and she just thinks and she says out loud, oh, if only you could. Yes. And yeah, that is actually I would say most of this episode is probably the sort of thing that just wouldn't fly after April 20th, 1999. Um, that of course was the day of the Columbine high school massacre. Right. Um, 
for those listening who aren't in the U.S. and haven't heard of the Columbine High School Massacre, it was, uh, as the name implies, a really, really terrible school shooting, kind of, I'm not sure what the word is, but it was it was kind of the first like large scale incident of its kind that we really dealt with as a nation, mm-hmm. and we've obviously dealt with many many more since. Um, prior to something like Columbine, uh, these kinds of these kinds of jokes, these things that you wouldn't really think anything of uh, anything of before, became the sorts of things that you just never saw anymore especially in the context of like high schoolers and teachers i'm thinking specifically there was an episode of buffy called earshot where there was a subplot where somebody was getting ready to uh go up into a gun tower and kill himself i remember that they were making it look like he was going up there to kill a lot of other people um, the twist was that he was only going to kill himself. It was it was a whole thing. But even though even though it was very much like its own little self contained thing, and and nothing actually happened, and it was relatively speaking a happier ever after, um, the episode itself ended up getting pulled from the season that it was in, and then moved into the summer and shown as like a special one-off episode of Buffy. Like a very uh, special episode? Yeah. Well, no. no. <laughs> Actually, maybe. I might look into uh, to how that was presented. Because, but it was, it was like episode 13 or something like that in season three. And it was just ripped right out of the season and then dropped into the middle of the summer. Because, it's, because Columbine happened right when that season was going along yeah that in fact i think it was un- it, that would have seemed insensitive yeah <laughs> a little bit so it, it's you know it's just one of the many 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 examples of the ways in in which our media uh changed to reflect the significance of that event mm-hmm. which we'll get into later about uh, we'll get into later how our media changed to reflect the gravity of the vietnam war um but obviously, you know, 30 years removed from the Vietnam War, we have episodes of Daria about it, so. The buses enter the paintballing compound to 311's beautiful disaster. To Daria's horror, her parents are standing in the parking lot, grinning in full fatigues. Where did they get them? <laughs> Everyone just has them. I don't know. It's, What's going it's on the in 90s? Lawndale? The nineties in Lawndale. <laughs> Everyone had fatigues in the nineties. That's just that's just how we rolled as a nation. Weren't they usually blue though? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I had totally forgotten blue camo existed. Yeah. Until you just mentioned it. It's probably a mistake. The fatigues, not mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so (laughs) before the warfare begins, Team Red and Team Blue circle up. And on Team Blue, we have Mr. DiMartino, Jake, Daria, and a good number of the fashion club. On Team Red is Mr. O'Neill, Ms. Barch, Helen, Jane, and Brittany, among others, right? Brittany, it turns out, is a talented war strategist. Who, who knew? Who knew? This is probably 
the most delightful thing about this episode for me. Is Brittany being insanely good at being a war strategist? Yeah. I think it's hilarious. I Maybe this is just me being like too sensitive about uh, our history with Peggy Nickel, Um, but it it immediately brings to mind how in the Lab Rat we saw – we saw characters exhibiting traits that they had just never exhibited before and wouldn't exhibit again for the sake of making the episode work or making a joke work. And it's hilarious. I love that Brittany is a great war strategist. It's just that there's absolutely no connection made to explain why she would have those skills whatsoever. That's part of what makes it funny. Yes. No doubt. Absolutely. Um, but even like I could totally buy, hey, she's really good at like coordinating troop movements and making sure that people are where they need to be because she's a cheerleader and she's a very good cheerleader. Exactly. She's watching the football, which is basically war. <laughs> so it would take so little effort to just make that connection and then it would just be fine to me. But because that doesn't happen, it sets off my Peggy Nickel alarm. <laughs> And, Your Peggy and Nickel alarm. Like, ah. Can we trademark that? <laughs> she goes on to write some of the best stuff in this entire series. Like, I was looking at the stuff she does in like episodes four and five, and she works on the movies, and it, all of all of her stuff in that era is phenomenal. I don't know what the hell happened for her first two episodes. You know, false starts. You know. <laughs> You got to just like write this out. <laughs> and it's, I, and I mean, we we'll, obviously we'll get into this a bit later, but it's not like this is a bad episode. Like there's a lot to like about this episode. It's just weird. I'm completely okay with the characterization of Brittany as a war strategist, not just because it's delightful, as I said, you know, it's surprising, um, I mean, it just seems, for me, believable. Like, of course, Brittany has this, like, hidden talent where, like, she's completely (laughs) competent in a field that you would not expect. (laughs) Everybody's got something. Everybody's got something. This is her something. It makes me think, okay, like, maybe she's more complex than we expected. Uh, Doesn't she have a little brother? Like, maybe... (laughs) She's learning from her little brother or something like that. I don't know. Well, that's terrifying. <laughs> that thing that thing you just said is terrifying. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> her little brother is like really young, right? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like nine or something like that. And he's he also is terrifying. Well, then, you know, maybe it is the little brother. <laughs> so Brittany... Um, reveals herself as this talented war strategist and she is sending her team to their posts. And as soon as the gunfire breaks out, Jane's hit. <laughs> what do you expect, really? <laughs> and Her reaction's amazing, too. She's like, ah, damn it. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay. And she, she just throws her gun away, right? Um, and walks <laughs> off into the bushes. <laughs> And because all is fair in love and war, Jane goes off to shoot Daria, so they're both out of the game. I like how she drops her gun, but then 
right afterwards she shoots Daria. Yeah, you pointed out that that continuity error, and I did not pick up on that until I saw that you had pointed it out. And then after that, it's like, where did she get that gun? But she did. Are there just like guns laying around? Well, maybe she did say that she stopped to what, like, shoot a a villager (laughs) or something. She stopped to wipe out a village of farmer. Yes. So maybe I don't know. Maybe she picked up somebody else's gun. I don't know. Some farmer out there with a paintball gun yeah, taking care of the crows. It seems that really Jane and Daria go into this situation thinking, like, let's just get out of the game as quickly as possible. Yes. Which reminds me of gym class. Every gym class (laughs) I've ever been in. (laughs) Stand in the very front and dodgeball, just kind of wait for it to happen. (laughs) oh darn (laughs) so jane we mentioned that jane said she stopped to wipe out a village of farmers uh which is of course a reference to the vietnam war um one of many many references this episode is going to make to the vietnam war and and we'll point a few out i'm sure there's a few we ended up missing um but now that I sit here and think about it, and now that you mentioned Jane and Daria wanting to get out of the game as quickly as possible, could have had another set of Vietnam War references with both of them just shooting themselves in the feet. Yeah, I mean... It's a dark episode. It, it is. I think, the, you know, the episode starts out with Martino saying, we're going to look at how war impacts all aspects of culture. And what this episode ends up actually doing is revealing how it changes each one of the characters or like, yeah, or, or maybe not changes, but just like reveals another aspect of their character. Um, you know what they would do under the pressure of war and Jane and Daria desert as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> So it really doesn't change their character. No, but it totally makes sense. <laughs> it just brings it more to the surface. Yeah. Um, and then we have the fashion club. Um, they had made a pact um, not to not to shoot each other and ruin their outfits. Um, but they break this pact like almost immediately and open fire on yeah. Sandy. And it becomes apparent in that scenario that Quinn is plotting a coup for the fashion club president position. <laughs> so, so Quinn is just ruthless in war. <laughs> That's not at all surprising. And oh, oh, and in the scene, we we have uh, Cypress Hills. I ain't going down like that. Playing as they trade death stares. <laughs> <laughs> There, there are a couple musical choices in this episode that are absolutely incredible. Agreed. That's one of them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so we kind of glossed over Daria's run-in with her mom. Like she, oh, yeah. She runs into Helen. Helen, Helen points her gun at Daria. Daria just immediately sticks her hands up. She's done. She's more than happy to be out. And Helen's like, aren't you going to try at all? all <laughs> and daria says i can't shoot my own mother not with paint yeah anyway <laughs> perfect yeah this is this is right before jane finds her and tags her helen ends up uh giving up on the conversation because she gets a phone call this from is, her office yeah this is yet another episode where helen is in the woods with her cell phone 
Like, I mean, it doesn't leave her side. That's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And apparently everyone knows what she's doing because she's like, yeah, I'm in the woods. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> uh, of no, I think this is the first time that we get uh, a look at Quinn maybe looking to usurp Sandy. Um, this isn't going to be the last time we hear about Quinn having those aspirations, but it's kind of the first hint we get that there's going to be conflict there over the coming seasons. There has That's pretty cool. There there has been tension between them in the past, yes. right? I'm not confusing Sandy with another fashion club member. I don't think so, but they're all interchangeable. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> we should mention here that Sandy, who is not on the same team as the rest of the fashion club, spends most of the episode looking for the bathroom. And that's why she gets <laughs> shot in this, in this scene. She's yeah, looking they... for the bathroom and they don't recognize her. Right, because she has the helmet and she has her goggles on. Because those and they are make the fun rules. of her for wearing the goggles. <laughs> yes. yes. She's like, those are the rules. <laughs> also, protect your eyes. <laughs> Seriously. Because this, those paintball thingies hurt. <laughs> Everyone is going home with welts on their body. Oh, what? A, yeah, yeah. They're going to be sore. Meanwhile, Mr. DiMartino and Kevin are crouched behind a rock, ready to capture the flag that will win them the game. But Brittany takes them both out. <laughs> Hell yeah, Brittany. Yeah, she has a whole like flipping routine that she does to get to where she needs to be. It's really impressive to watch. Yeah, she's a friggin' ninja. <laughs> <laughs> or cheerleader, you know. <laughs> Same thing. No. I'm pretty sure in combat, in combat situations, cheerleaders automatically do become ninjas. That's just a thing. <laughs> That's just science. Obviously. <laughs> so she takes them both out, and Miss Barch lets off some steam by shooting D Martino while he's down. <laughs> and I love this scene. <laughs> like you're. She's so relentless, and it's amazing. You're confusing me for your for your husband, and she's like, "I know, but he's not here." <laughs> <laughs> and she's just she's standing right over him, just firing. He's gonna go home with the most bruises. Uh, so that's all about that scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just appreciation for Ms. Barch and DiMartino. And Brittany. They're all awesome. But here, Kevin, of course, does not get attacked by DiMartino. It's Brittany. So next scene. Uh, I Dig You by Boss Hog plays as Daria and Jane walk to see the great white shark. Because, as you remember, they've deserted. <clears throat> uh, they... <laughs> So they walk three miles in the rain just to see a shark tooth. That's an hour. They walked an hour to see a shark tooth. Yeah. And the owner of the store is just crazy. <laughs> She's retelling the plot of Jaws. Yeah. How does this fit in? It doesn't. Not even a little. This is my problem with the episode, and maybe we'll talk about it a little more later, but, like, Dari and Jane going on this quest for the Great White Shark is 
is just like completely bonkers. Like it just completely takes us off the track. And they're our main characters. Yeah. So, so thinking about it, um, there is perhaps a connection to be made. I don't think I'm clever enough to make it right off the fly, right on the fly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there is maybe something to, hey, they, they went all this way. They had all these expectations and those expectations were quickly dashed by a lady who quickly dashed by a, an unsympathetic figure that is just feeding them some bullshit story. Uh, not entirely unlike the experience of those who went to Vietnam. Um, also, Connection made. All right. There is maybe something to it. There is something to be extracted from it. If there are connections that they're trying to push there, I don't think that they're very well connected. Yeah. Back at the compound, uh, Helen and Ms. Lee are bonding over some strange version of feminism. (laughs) But the conversation turns pretty hostile when Helen criticizes Lawndale High. (laughs) You found Ms. Lee's one weakness. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, her baby, right? (laughs) In fairness to Helen... She only really lays into Londale High after Ms. Lee just straight up shits on Daria. That's true. Not literally. Figuratively. No, no, no. Obviously. <laughs> Things hadn't gotten quite that raw yet. <laughs> but yeah, um, Helen mentioned something about Daria's attitude and uh, Ms. Lee just immediately runs with it. She's like, oh, and... Well, a prison couldn't change Daria's attitude. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's what she said. Which is fitting for the episode and that we get to see the uh, paintballing Hanoi Hotel later. Yeah, the Hanoi Hilton. Yeah, (laughs) Hanoi Hilton. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Another reference. Yeah. That seems totally out of, like, it was a prison camp. Like, people died. People were Okay, whatever. and they're partying anyway. We're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> totally. Um, so we see what war does to Ms. Lee and Helen, and then in another tent, Ms. Barch is taken aback by Mr. O'Neill's compassion, and she jumps his bones. So that's what war does to Ms. Barch. <laughs> and in yet another tent, Jake shares a flask with Mr. DiMartino, and they get super drunk. And that's what war does to them. <laughs> yeah. God bless him. At the Hanoi Hilton, Will Smith's getting jiggy with it is playing. <laughs> as the students. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> as and the students are getting jiggy with it, <laughs> they're decompressing from simulated warfare. Quinn is playing spin the paintball gun yeah Uh, that seems wrong Um, it's not good no it's not good she's playing with joey jeffy and jamie and sandy considers shooting her in the back while they're playing (laughs) yeah that was a that was a vicious little moment uh uh-huh yeah it was and moments later staring down the barrel of a gun by beastie boys is playing and quinn is considering the same move 
Ugh. They're really vicious. Christ. They really are. Oh. So there were there were a couple of quotes and, and we kind of we kind of skipped over this, but there were a couple of quotes in that Ms. Lee and uh, Helen conversation that really stood out. The one that stood out to me was <laughs> Helen saying, "It isn't easy raising two teenagers by yourself with Jake." <laughs> yeah, that was really good. <laughs> With Jake. <laughs> My favorite was Ms. Lee saying, Woo, thank God men no longer look at us as sex objects. <laughs> <laughs> the way she said sex was fantastic. Yeah, it was a really, really funny conversation because it's like, Oh my God, what planet are these women living on? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that this series of um, scenes is just when the episode, what the episode is trying to do kind of falls together. Like this is mm-hmm. what war does to these characters, right? This yeah. is this is the fallout from it. Um, you know, either either they're at each other's throats or, you know, jumping their bones. <laughs> <laughs> jumping their respective bones <laughs> uh, or getting drunk or you know it, it's uh it, yeah everything just kind of falls apart here yeah in the span of one afternoon oh yeah yeah well you know high school students and teachers right <laughs> both <laughs> already, very volatile people yeah exactly they're already stressed out as it is <laughs> Everyone's ready to blow. Yes. It just takes one push. Mm-hmm. One paintball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those paintball thingies hurt. <laughs> so we're nearing the end of this episode. Uh, the buses pull away from Jim's paintballing jungle, and they pull away from Sandy, who has finally found the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> In a clear reference to Platoon, Adagio for Strings plays as she runs after the bus and lands in the mud. Quinn looks on without remorse. What <laughs> monsters war has made them. <laughs> and because this is comedy, we don't end on that. <laughs> we end on Helen and Jake lost and bickering in the tunnels of Jim's paintballing jungle. Yeah, we forgot to mention the tunnels. (laughs) Close credits to Trent Reznor's remix of David Bowie's I'm Afraid of Americans. That's a spot on song choice. Really fantastic song choice for the end here. (laughs) So what a what a thing, right? Like as a whole, what a what a what an episode. Yeah, I don't even know. What do we even say? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mm. should we do cultural context and then talk about the merits yeah, of maybe. the episode, uh, considering <laughs> the cultural context? That's that does seem to be the pattern. Yes, that's what we do. <laughs> This was such a weird episode to do the cultural context for just because this was 
just such an out there episode. Uh, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, but yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. So right at the top, Mr. DiMartino says the purpose of the paintball trip is to study how warfare impacts all aspects of culture. Uh, one might assume he was also speaking for Peggy Nickel. Uh, this episode is packed to the brim with references to the Vietnam War, starting with its title. Uh, the Daria Hunter is a kind of clumsy play on the movie title The Deer Hunter, which was a 1978 war drama starring Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken. You the show didn't also rever- see that movie, did you? I have not seen The Deer Hunter, yeah. no. So that's, we should that's... say that neither of us have actually seen The Deer Hunter. <laughs> I've seen pieces of it. Okay. I've seen I've seen enough of it to know that it is not a, this movie is not a direct reflection of The Deer Hunter. This episode, um, you mean? Or this episode, yeah. yes, sorry. <laughs> um so that was a 1978 war drama starring Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken. Uh, the show also references the films Full Metal Jacket, Platoon, Casualties of War, and Apocalypse Now, uh, among others. Um, there are other references to the Vietnam War throughout, such as Jim's decision to make a makeshift Hanoi Hilton, which is dark. It's a really dark it's inclusion so there, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> And there are, there are a bunch of other little things here and there, too, uh, all throughout the episode, uh, which, which made this kind of a, a complicated cultural context to put together. Uh, the goal of the cultural context section, while it's typically kind of fluid, uh, is usually to help provide a glimpse at the atmosphere, attitude, life, and times that likely helped inspire a given episode of Daria. Usually that means we're looking at things that were going on in the 90s. And while this is a strange episode for any number of reasons, maybe chief among them is the fact that this episode does not feel rooted in 1998 so much as like 1978 or 1988. Mm-hmm. We mentioned this episode heavily referenced, you know, that list of movies, The Deer Hunter, Full Metal Jacket, Platoon, Casualties of War, and Apocalypse Now. Those came out in 1978, 1987, 1986, 1989, and 1979, respectively. None of that is to say a show can't reference a 10-year-old movie without rooting itself in the past. Uh, However, for the show in particular, purportedly aimed at teenage girls from Generation X, to focus so heavily on the Vietnam War and the culture it inspired is it's really an odd choice. And still, we're going to roll with it and focus on the culture the show wants us to focus on. So let's talk Vietnam, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. So background. The Vietnam War was an undeclared war that ran about two decades from November of 1955 to April of 1975. Jeez. Yeah, I going into this, I was not aware that the Vietnam War lasted 20 years. Yeah, yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> this, this is the analysis you tune in for. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it pitted North Vietnam, backed by the Soviet Union, China, and a number of other communist allies against South Vietnam, backed by the United States, South Korea, the Philippines, Australia, and a number of other anti-communist allies. 
Overall, the war took anywhere from 1 to 5 million lives. This included 58,318 U.S. soldiers. Another 300,000 U.S. soldiers were wounded. And, of course, those numbers don't speak at all to the countless soldiers who suffered mentally before, during, and after deployment. According to Ancestry's Fold 3 project, among the U.S. dead, the average age was just shy of 23. Yeah. Um, We won't dive further into the facts behind the Vietnam War itself. It's an endlessly complex subject, and we would just make ourselves sound kind of silly trying to summarize it here. Uh, That complexity, however, may very well lie at the heart of what makes the Vietnam War such a cultural milestone for American media, and ultimately the inspiration for an episode of an MTV cartoon in the late 90s. Uh, According to a piece published in the April 1987 edition of History Today by Michael Price, Ph.D., of the University of Central Lancashire. The core of Hollywood's complicated history with the Vietnam War is based upon the fact that the war itself was profoundly unpopular in the U.S. It's widely regarded as having been the most divisive event since the Civil War, which, as you probably know, was when Americans literally took up arms against their fellow Americans. Uh, To quote Paris, Soon after America became involved in Vietnam, new forces began to affect the film industry and prevent it from operating in its usual wartime role, justifying, explaining, and encouraging the war effort. How was the film industry to present the war when the president had to appear on national television to appeal for consensus, and when the government was divided? Hollywood could not even rely on the relatively non-political action war film, for public feeling was too incensed. That's so interesting. I never, I, I mean, I, I get, I haven't studied film history, but I, it's really interesting that this is when the shift in film, like prop war propaganda happens. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, if you, if you think about it, it totally makes sense, but it, it's one of those things where it took a while for, for Hollywood to come around to it. Like, I think we might, we might go into it, uh, in, in a minute or two, but I mean, it isn't until the late seventies where you start getting films that really look critically at what was going on there. That's when you start getting, um, taxi driver and Rambo and, and a lot of these other films, uh, including some of the ones we mentioned above. It just takes a long time for the entire country to process what has happened. Um, yeah, and what absolutely. really is still happening to the people that were involved in the war, and of course now it's it's uh, now it's a much more accepted thing for Hollywood to to do that. Uh, I think Hollywood is is I'm speaking way out of my depth here, but I would say that Hollywood is probably a little bit more. I almost want to say activist now. Well, yeah, I feel. Like we're seeing more and more actors and actresses taking up causes because they have power, they have attention, yeah. and they're doing something with it, you know? Right. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I, a, I mean, a, I don't a, know. I mean, maybe it's always been that way, and, you know, we're just living <laughs> right now. We're just living now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I think of like a, a movie like Jarhead, uh-huh. right? Um, 
I mean, obviously Jarhead came from a book, um, but a movie like Jarhead probably doesn't get made in the environment of the late 60s, early 70s, mm. like in that Price article. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it is, it's, it's kind of a, an unflinching, it's kind of a, a critical look at, uh, at war and how war impacts the people within it. Or it wouldn't be made even earlier in the century. Right. Right. Hollywood took a bit of time to grapple with the divisiveness of the war and generally settled upon a narrative that frequently painted protagonists as sympathetic pawns at the whim of a decidedly unsympathetic government fighting, suffering, and dying in a war nobody could understand or sometimes returning home to an uncaring public. This is to some extent where we get films like the ones mentioned uh, earlier, as well as Taxi Driver and Rambo. Those films, much like the war itself, were complex and divisive. And so those films, much like the war itself, came to occupy a unique spot in the American mindset a spot which has been reflected upon over and over again, referenced by countless other pieces of media, including, obviously, the Daria Hunter, the most notable (laughs) among them. (laughs) This episode... Certainly the one most covered by this podcast. (laughs) This episode does have its flaws, um, but it, it is no accident that an episode focusing on the Vietnam War involves the fashion club turning guns on each other, Brittany shooting Kevin, Helen threatening to shoot Daria, Jane actually shooting Daria, you know, for the sake of desertion, (laughs) Ms. Barch jumping Mr. O'Neill's bones, and the wildly different Mr. DiMartino and Jake Morgendorfer finding common ground, and the center of the universe, Sandy, being ignored and left behind in the mud. It's chaos. (laughs) <laughs> a reflection of the way in which the war was fought and and how it has been portrayed ever since. Of course, this show has carried with it a uh, reference to the mess that was Vietnam all the way from its very first episode. Uh, Mr. DiMartino's clearly damaged psyche is played off as a joke for most of the series, but the nature of his experience in the war and the way in which it continues to impact him decades later is less of a caricature than some may realize. Uh, we as a country are despicably poor at taking care of our veterans, but Vietnam War veterans in particular got nowhere near the care they needed or deserved upon returning. Uh, Paris actually links this societal and institutional dereliction of duty to the initial reluctance of movies to directly handle the war. He suggested that on top of being extraordinarily divided on the war in the first place, Americans also had trouble coming to terms with having lost. Lastly, and somewhat tragically, we should note that a generation's identity tends to revolve around its proximal large-scale military conflicts. Mm -hmm. The lost generation, the GI generation, and the baby boomers were all defined by the wars in which they were involved. Meanwhile, Gen Xers born in the late 60s grew up in the Cold War. Then they experienced the month-long First Persian Gulf War in the early 90s. Uh, We couldn't find data regarding how Generation X views the Vietnam War, but it's probably worth noting that the Vietnam War was also the most recent large-scale military conflict for Generation X growing up, so a certain level of fascination is maybe to be expected. Totally, and and I think that 
even past Gen X, so I, I think that later generations still had quite a fascination with the Vietnam War. Um, yes. I don't know what else I can add to that. <laughs> I think maybe it's generally just like the culture of the 60s that, you know, fascinates and appeals to younger people, right? Some of the, the research that I was doing for this, um, some of the polling that I found showed that younger people generally tend to be more in support of war. Like uh, when polling goes out of, of, you know, who supports, I think the, the most recent example that I saw was um, the, the war in Iraq, the second Gulf War. Um, and the, the polling broke down as younger folks being more in favor of it than older folks, which was kind of surprising to me. That is surprising. Yeah. And, and I'll go over it again to, to make sure that that's actually you know what I saw, but I remember being like, no fucking way. <laughs> so I went back and looked at it again. Um, also, like younger people tend to be more about rebellion. They tend to be more about stuff that is outside the norm. And it is inherently, it's hard to say the word fascinating about it just because of the horrors involved and obviously the, you know the millions of lives that it, it impacted in a terrible terrible way if not ended outright um, but it is inherently an extremely fascinating thing and an incredibly difficult to understand thing and the media that has revolved around it has kind of reflected that complexity like we said here um, and so I, I think it's it's a little more interesting just because there's still so much mystery surrounding it because you really have to dive in. You really have to, to do a lot of research to understand exactly what the hell was going on with the Vietnam War in the first place. A lot of the people who fought in the Vietnam War still have no idea what the hell the Vietnam War was about. Mm -hmm. um, that was part of the problem folks had was, was not understanding why the hell we were there, why we were fighting, who we were fighting. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right. So you want to rank this episode? Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the merits of, these ep of this episode. I feel like it's so hard to go from, you know, this heavy talk of the Vietnam War yeah. to Daria. <laughs> to Daria, to our episode rankings. Yeah. Right off the bat, uh, I mentioned the lab rat earlier. Um, I mean, obviously, we mentioned the lab rat earlier, but I kind of referenced it earlier with regard to Peggy Nichol and, and the work she's done previously. Um, I don't think this episode is as bad as the lab rat. No, I think this episode did much better than the lab rat. I, I think it was more successful. It had a better handle of the characters and that might just be because the lab rat is an early episode so it didn't really know the characters as well yet yeah. you know <clears throat> i think the the only really like i hesitate to say character breaking because it's not a, it's not a broken character it's just a thing that has very little explanation and is done primarily as a primarily for the joke is is britney being a brilliant war strategist mm-hmm which I said already, um, I'm completely okay with. <laughs> yeah, and it and it doesn't it doesn't run counter to 
her character in general. Like part of the problem with the lab brat was that the things that Peggy Nichol did to the characters in there ran completely counter to who those characters were. Right. For this, it's just a neat thing that Brittany also knows how to do. So my main problem with this episode is the fact that Daria and Jane really aren't participating in it. I mean, they go off on this quest for the great white shark which leads them, you know, on something, on like a completely different story. And it's like a, it's a disappointing turn to their story as well. It it doesn't pay off for them or for us. And And it becomes more about I mean, the the episode becomes more about the secondary characters, which I won't lie, I love. (laughs) You know, (laughs) a lot of good moments. Yeah, and these characters are amazing. And once again, we're not giving Kevin enough credit. (laughs) 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 But he's carrying a football (laughs) while paintballing. (laughs) And wearing football pads. And a helmet. (laughs) Uh, But I mean... You know, the show is called Daria, but the show isn't following Daria, you know? Would it be fair to say that Daria and Jane could be viewed as the conscientious objectors of of this paintball conflict? Well, if they're conscientious objectors, they wouldn't even they wouldn't have gone yeah they wouldn't actually be in the war you know they're the they're the people that shoot themselves in the foot (laughs) (laughs) you know to get out that would have been such a that god damn it (laughs) i have to wonder if that was discussed at any point because that for me feels like such an obvious pull Mm -hmm. and it it would have turned this episode around a lot for me right yeah yeah, I mean they're they're the ones that desert, you know. Um and and it's really hard to follow a protagonist that deserts if mm-hmm. the main action isn't the desertion. Right. You know? Yeah. So this is the problem that I'm having. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of a big problem. Um the other kind of big problem to me is, and I've I've railed about it for oh boy a long time now. Looking at our looking at our timeline is uh, just I'm not sure who this episode is for. I don't I don't get why this episode is trying to do what it's trying to do. I think it's interesting, kind of like Lab Rat. I think it's ambitious. Yeah, definitely um, ambitious. Yeah, but I but I don't know like does does a high school girl in 1998 watch this and get anything out of it? Like this episode feels like it was written for people who were a good 20 or 30 years above the actual age of the demographic of the show. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at our episode rankings and I'm thinking, I have no idea where to put this episode. Yeah. I, I mean, yes, I think it's a better episode than Lab Rat, which we have ranked at 11 um, of 15 episodes that we've talked about so far. But, I mean, how do we compare this with the other episodes? <laughs> 
it's I, I mean is is it better than arts and crafts is it i don't think it's better than okay. arts and crafts. yeah I, I i agree with you there um i don't think it's better than too cute is it better than this year's model that's actually i'm i'm looking around mauled in this year's model now okay Drawing a drawing a direct comparison between this episode and those is kind of difficult. It really, really, really is. This is such a... <laughs> For what I believe is like the 12th or 13th time now, this is such a fucking weird episode of I Daria. I feel like this shouldn't even go on the list. <laughs> there should be a separate this is, column. This is your sabotage taking action. There, <laughs> this is yes, you sneaking it in. There should be a separate column where we just column put just for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think this should be in a completely different column. <laughs> I no, we are going to do this. We're going to make this work. Um I <laughs> Damn it, Rob. <laughs> but Well, okay, let's let's All right. We agree that it's better than Lab Rat. All right? Because it's it's nowhere near as problematic. There, yes. It just has a lot more going on for it than Lab Rat does. I enjoyed it more than College um, Board. Right. Okay. So now we're we're down to like I I I don't think it's better than Too Cute. Okay. So now we're we're looking at seven through nine. Basically, we're looking at Mauled, this year's model and the teachings of Don Jake. Right. I I feel like. This year's model has some very relevant things to say to its intended demographic. Right. I think it does some interesting stuff. It knows its audience. Yes. It's also very funny. That's true. Uh, it it has its problems. Uh, there are some, some problematic moments in it, without a doubt. Uh, but I think on the whole, it's a better episode than this one. So we, I think I agree with you there. Um, this year's model is m- way more on point with its audience. Um, yeah. So we're really just looking at, is this episode better or worse than the teachings of Don Jake? I think Jake? better. Yeah, I think maybe it is too. <laughs> yeah. Because the yeah, teachings of Don Jake really didn't impress me at all. Um, and I And I feel like there just wasn't a whole lot. There just wasn't a whole lot to it. And I have many 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 reservations about this episode but uh but i do think that at the end of the day it's saying something more and doing something more than the teachings of don jake is all right so we are bumping the teachings of don jake down to number 10 and this episode the daria hunter is number nine all right i feel good about that pretty good so let's talk about the conversation you had with one of our viewers on Facebook <laughs> about the rankings in which they basically said the same thing that I did. <laughs> they said, the, yeah, the same thing you did. About how we should rank the episodes. About splitting it into two separate mm-hmm. notes. So, hmm. <laughs> so my, my argument there, <laughs> my argument last week and my argument this week, damn it. Um, I just... I would like to at the end of at the end of this podcast, twenty years from now, when we finally finish Morgan Dorks, <laughs> I I would like to be able to look at one 
giant list that tells me that we actually put a lot of thought into how this show how it progressed throughout the years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I understand um, that. I'm still I'm still feeling like I need to separate things into categories and then we could like and then <laughs> or into seasons and then we can like say how do the number ones compare? See to and I think that there is there is room for that. I think we'll be doing something like that. Like well, we would separately. inherently be doing that by listing them all, but <laughs> yeah, but also, but I I do think there's there is something to be said for you know when we get to the end of episode or the the end of season two, especially with you know you being a, a relative newcomer to the series, there's something to be said for getting to the end of season two and saying, hey, what did you think of season two in relation to season right, one? Right. Was the best episode in season two as good as uh, the Road Warrior was? Um, and so on down the line. Like, I think there is absolutely space for us to do that. I think we're going to do that. Um, and like you said, inherently, we are creating a, <laughs> a season by season list. It's just, it has to be like extrapolated a right. little bit. Um, but to me, uh, I think some of the most, for all the work we put into show notes and all the work we put into the beat by beats and all the work we put into cultural context and all the stuff that happens in there, I think some of the most interesting Daria centric conversation ends up happening in these ranking sections because it's when we're forced to say like, all right, what did we value about this episode? I agree with and you not there. only, yeah. And, and, and as the list gets, deeper and deeper and as we have to really start picking things apart you know we think about it more and more we think about the merits of an episode more and more uh it also it makes us look at the things we like about the episode which i think is really good because it would be very easy to be super down on an episode like lab rat and just stay down right. on it. i think that it would be interesting to see how this episode ranking section of the podcast becomes a longer conversation and we might shorten some of the beat by beat conversation to get to the episode ranking. Maybe. Yeah. It'll be, I think that'll be interesting. I don't, I don't know if it's going to get a ton longer. I guess some, epi some episodes are really going to throw us. <laughs> um, well, I'm just saying that if it's the, the interesting the conversation happens here, you know, yeah, you know, when we're talking, when we're doing a little more analysis, you know, yeah, um, I, you know, as yeah. the like literature readers that we are, you know, <laughs> then the last episode of Morgan Dorks is going to be five hours long. <laughs> And it's just going to be two people screaming at each other for a while. <laughs> Actually, I'm already, I've already kind of started to think about how we're going to have to handle the Daria movies oh because my God. they each there's there's two of them. They're each movies. They're each an hour and a half long. So the it's uh, between episodes four and five, and then the very last piece of Daria media is uh is it college yet which is an hour and a half long movie that episode of morgan dorks is gonna be five minutes <laughs> <laughs> it was great the end thanks everybody goodbye
Goodbye. Please check out our Patreon. <laughs> we just set it up now. We, fi- we finally got to it right before this last episode. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this up. And that about wraps it up for this episode of Morgan Dorks. As always, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Morgan Dorks, email us at morgandorks at gmail.com, or check out our website, morgandorks.podbean.com. That is P-O-D-B-A-N.com. Also, we're on Facebook. We we have some pretty good discussions on, on Facebook yeah. with our fans. You guys are amazing, and we love you for it. Um, so check that out. It's fb.me slash morgandorks.podcasts or search morgandorks. We'll be there. Uh, special thanks as always to Outpost Daria Reborn. Link is in the show notes. And as always, thank you, Nissa. Hey, Rob. Thank you. Really? Thank you. You are awesome. <laughs> and thank you. You are the only reason this episode was happening this week. Like until, until I realized that you were working on show notes, I was ready to text you like, hey, should we postpone? <laughs> Like, hell no. (laughs) We need to get this done. I have goals, damn it. (laughs) And thank you, listeners. Yeah, thank you, too. (laughs) We'll see you again in two weeks for season two, episode three, Quinn the Brain, here on Morgandorks. I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, that's that's a pretty fun one, if I remember correctly. Yes. All right, see you then. Yeah. Woo!